Hey, what's up everyone? Dave here. Welcome to episode 67 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by hypnotist Doug Sands to share all of the magical and mystical worlds of hypnosis and how we can use hypnosis to contact or communicate with our subconscious mind so that we can overcome limiting beliefs and fears, uh, all kinds of stuff so that we can then pursue the things that we want to. We can chase after our dreams. Um, I think you're going to get a huge amount out of this conversation. Doug is such a great guest, highly knowledgeable on the subject of of hypnosis and on meditation. uh, And he's got some great tips for anybody who wants to maybe uh, try bear this for yourself and some advice when it comes to uh, finding a hypnotist for yourself as well. So I hope you get a lot out of it. If you do, please remember to uh, subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Uh, like uh, and share with your friends. Um, really help me to reach more people. Uh, so with that, let's get on with the show. Have you ever questioned why it is that some people seem to have everything they could ever wish for? Health, wealth, love and happiness, but others seem to lack all of these things. Why is it the small minority manage to achieve greatness, but the vast majority fail to reach even beyond mediocrity? What are this small minority doing differently to everybody else? It can't just be down to circumstance, billionaires rise out of poverty. Those questions have been in my head my whole life, and a couple of years ago, I decided to stop wondering and start searching for the answers so that I could help more people achieve greatness in their own lives. So join me and follow along as I uncover the secrets of the minority that the majority aren't taught so that you can apply them to your own life to achieve your own greatness and live the life you want and deserve. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Doug, welcome to Pocket Mastermind. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. So today we're going to be talking um, all things hypnosis, right? And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we were just talking before we, we went on recording and the logical place to start is what hypnosis is and what hypnosis isn't, right? And I said to you before, my first introduction to hypnotism was generally on some Saturday night TV show where some guy would come along and make audience members cluck like chickens and crawl on the ground and pretend they were all sorts of stuff. But obviously, that's not what people come to you for. So let's start with there. What isn't hypnosis and what is it? Absolutely. I get that question all the time. People come in, they're like, are you going to make me bark like a dog or something? Is it going to be like a stage show? I had someone come in a couple of weeks ago and they ask, you know, is this safe? Like, are you going to turn me into like a Cold War assassin or something? And I'm like, hypnosis, it doesn't work like that. A lot of people assume that hypnosis is mind control because they see people on stage doing ridiculous things. But when they bring up that example, I always remind them that the people on that stage volunteered to be there. There was that unspoken agreement between the hypnotist and anyone coming up that you're probably going to do some ridiculous things on this stage. And they were okay with that. And you notice on that stage, they're not doing anything outside their moral code. They're not like beating each other up or robbing banks or anything. They're just doing silly things. 
I personally think in a stage show, it's mostly about reducing that uh, or making them more um, susceptible to suggestion because I've been on both sides of that. I've been the hypnotist and I've been the, the volunteer. And it was almost as if my body was reacting before my mind actually thought through the process. I was aware the entire time, but uh, I just couldn't really be bothered to go against it because you know it wasn't really uh, a huge situation that I was going against. So I always tell people that in hypnosis, you will never do anything that your moral code objects to. You will never be able to be mind controlled because uh, if a hypnotist gives you a suggestion that you don't agree with, either it will bring you out of trance or your mind will just naturally ignore it. Your mind wants to help you in all cases. And so using this in a therapeutic or clinical setting, that's mostly what I do right now. I work a lot with anxiety relief and uh, weight loss motivation and building confidence for like public speaking, that kind of thing. And in hypnosis, what we are doing, we are taking people from our normal brain waves, our normal waking state, and we are dropping them down the scale through alpha to uh, what's called theta brain frequency. And that's that space that hovers right above sleep. And that's kind of why it looks like sleep, but you're aware the entire time. And if you've ever had a really good idea right before you've fallen asleep, that's because your mind was passing through that theta state. And when we get people to that theta state, we are able to communicate with the unconscious mind in a way that it understands. So your mind communicates to you in feelings and in emotions. That's why we get that gut sense that something is wrong. Our, if our brain could communicate to us in language, you know, like we're talking right now, it would, but this is how evolutionarily it came along. And so when we're in that theta state, we are able to access that creative dreamlike uh, interpretive side of our brain. And that allows us to communicate more effectively with that, uh, that side of us. And so the main difference between stage hypnosis and clinical hypnosis is what you do when you get down to that theta state. On a stage show, you just give them funny suggestions, but in a clinical setting, you are then bringing in tools from psychology and neuroscience and NLP and other tools to help them make that change at a deep level. So how does it actually work? I mean, the, the process, how do, you, how do you actually move through those different brainwave stages? And then when you get there, how does it stay in that position? Because I think if you go back to the example of the stage show, right, you, you see them, they go the put you to sleep type thing which is always rapidly you know super quick because it's a yeah. stage show and you obviously don't see what happens before that part and that's obviously some kind of trigger but so how do you then get into that state and then remain there to be able to you know seemingly function in a normal yeah. way but you're still in some kind of trance how does that work mm -hmm. so getting into tra into trance we call that the induction and uh, you see that on the stage shows, as you mentioned, uh, people doing that, they often have what's called rapid inductions. They look, as you say, they look very rapid, but there's at least 10 to 15 minutes of preamble to set the, the frame to make that work. Um, that, that's an interesting side of it. But in, in a like in a one on one setting, we are using certain language patterns that have been studied over 125 years to really get us to that deep state. And those language patterns, they're very similar to like a guided meditation. There are other ways, including like 
you know, kinesthetic and body motion to help that, but it's all about the, the language patterns when it comes down to it. And that's where there's this interesting connection between uh, meditation and hypnosis. Solo meditation, our brain is actually speeding up, but guided meditation is that weird gray area. It's our brains are slowing down just like hypnosis. And you'll notice some guided meditations actually give beneficial suggestions in the middle, just like a hypnosis session would. So that's, it's a gray area, mm -hmm. but that touches on the, on how people maintain that trance because in the actual session, um, if you just leave a person to their own devices, eventually they'll come out of it. And, you know, it might take five minutes, might take 10 minutes, but they'll wake up because their brain, it's like, I need to get some water or I need to use the bathroom or something like that. And so um, we are constantly giving them new suggestions, like you'll be going deeper. And uh, it's just about maintaining that meditative state, that um, maintaining that theta state, just like a med guided meditation would. And how does then, so how, then how do the suggestions take hold once you get someone into that into that state so the important thing about getting a person to theta i should say the other thing about you know besides the creative uh communication with your brain is that you are lowering the critical faculty of your mind and that's where the idea of suggestibility comes in mm -hmm. the critical faculty is uh that part of your brain that filters information and you'll notice um Kids like zero to four, zero to seven, they don't have this yet. If you tell them, you know, there's a purple dragon out in the hall, like they're going to go believe you. But <laughs> yeah. uh, after a certain point, they know there's not a purple dragon out there. Uh, in hypnosis, that critical part is, um, some say it's more permissible. Some say it's offline completely. I personally believe it's still active. It's still functioning to protect that person mm -hmm. um, but it's allowing beneficial suggestions to pass i actually had a hypnotist friend who uh, did an informal study of this they gave volunteers in hypnosis five suggestions four were beneficial and one was mildly negative like i think it was you'll give me five dollars after the session mm -hmm. every single time when they hit that negative suggestion their unconscious mind brought them out of trance because they had broken that trust with the subject and the hypnotist that's interesting. So then how, how does it, how does the brain distinguish between let's say that, and then say someone who's terrified of the, of the prospect of public speaking, how do you not break that, 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 that trance or whatever, as soon as you suggest the thing that they're most scared of. <laughs> so in hypnosis, there are a couple of different ways we can make that change. Um, the, you know, a couple of different categories, the most, traditional one is just to give someone direct suggestion that's like you will feel confident on stage and that's kind of what people think hypnosis is but there are other ways to do it we can go back and work with the memories um, that a person has around stage confidence if they had a really traumatic events one event once that might be a great option for them and we're not erasing that memory we're simply removing the negative charge of that emotion so they no longer feel that and another really powerful way that we would do that is to um, change the response to the stimulus. And we'd bring in tools from psychology and NLP, and we'd essentially swap out one response, you know, feeling scared and anxious mm -hmm. for a new response, um, feeling empowered. And to do that, we'd first build that state, and then we'd just anchor it and swap that out with some techniques um, so that every time they are in that situation, it naturally arises. So you're kind of converting 
how you're interpreting the feelings and sensations that you you may be having at the time like you know i heard once physio physiologically excited and scared are basically the same thing mm. and it's our own interpretation what and that explains why some people are buzzing when they go to jump out of an airplane and other people are terrified <laughs> it's the, they're experiencing the same thing but for <laughs> some, whatever reason somewhere in their probably in their childhood the association was programmed slightly differently does that is that right absolutely absolutely and we call that at least in nlp we call that a reframe where you're flipping the interpretation the mental story that you're telling about that event um, to give an example um, i worked with a woman who was terrified of having a dirty house and she really you know she was constantly cleaning and it was really interrupting her family's life and so we flipped that on its head and said what if the fact that you have some dirt around the house means that your family is still there, means they're still there for, to love you. And now it's, and now she realizes, you know, if, if my house is completely clean all the time, maybe they're not around. And so just, just reframing that and saying, there might be a positive to this. Uh, that is a very simple way that we can make some powerful changes. That's a really interesting perspective. Is it possible for anybody to be hypnotized or is it more difficult to hypnotize some people more than others i, I kind of feel like i would be quite hard to hypnotize <laughs> i personally I a lot believe... of people think the same thing <laughs> <laughs> you know when people come in they're like I, I can't be hypnotized i typically find those are the best hypnotic subjects amazing i i personally believe that everyone can be hypnotized because we're doing it to ourselves all the time whether we're doing highway hypnosis, whether we're zoning out, you know, when we're behind the wheel, our brains are still active, but consciously we've gone somewhere else. It's also the same if you're in the flow state or if you're getting lost in a really good book or movie, that's a level of trance. And in hypnosis, we're just deepening that. Um, I would say that the only people who really would struggle with hypnosis are people with ADHD, ADD, you know, attention deficit disorders, because hypnosis is all about focus. It's all about focusing your attention on one thing to the exclusion of all else. It's interesting, isn't it? It's because you definitely, some people are definitely seem to be more suggestible than others. Yeah. I assume that when you work with people, there some that are maybe super quick to take on, and and others it, it's a slower. Is it just a generally just like a slower? lead down into the the trance state that you're trying to get to is that absolutely yeah there's a phrase in the in the field that there are no resistant subjects there are simply inflexible hypnotists <laughs> and so i i work to constantly refresh my toolbox so that when i get a highly analytical person like a, a financial um, advisor mm -hmm. and they are nitpicking every single thing i do throughout the session i can work with that and i can also work with someone who is completely um who is completely bought into what hypnosis is and they are just ready to change in an instant and so i'm just meeting the client wherever they're at in that process so we talked a bit about things like um fear of public speaking right what else can you use hypnosis for i mean there, i guess there's there's two sides of looking at it isn't there there's kind of the overcoming the fear of something but is there you know the the kind of more I guess positive framing is the way you use it. Talk about Absolutely. the kind of the the kind of scenarios or examples where you work with people to to help them move forwards from whatever position they're in now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that touches on a really important divide between, or not divide, just different types of hypnosis. There's um, what's called, oh, what is it? Anyway, there's what's called um, healing hypnosis and like fixing hypnosis. And there's what's called generative hypnosis. Healing hypnosis, you're going back and fixing an issue. I believe it's called remedial hypnosis. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, remedial hypnosis, you're going back and changing a memory. You're going back and installing something um, in their past so that they can live a better life. And that's a cool side of hypnosis, but um, it's not for everyone because we don't all have traumatic injuries in our past or anything like that. Uh, the other side of hypnosis, generative hypnosis, that's where we are improving skills that we already have and building in new skills that we want to learn. And those things are very powerful. That's where we work with sports performance and business confidence and mindset, that kind of thing, and really getting ourselves to that next level. Hypnosis in that sense is really just taking the, the what is it, 28-day process of learning a habit and fast-tracking it. You are taking it, that new habit that you want to install, and instead of trying to force it through willpower over those 28 days, you are putting it directly into the unconscious mind uh, where it eventually would end up anyways. And touching on that idea of what you can work on hypnosis, the more I learn about hypnosis, the more I am just blown away at what you can work on it with. I now believe there are, I mean, like if someone comes to me with an issue, I, I personally believe like there's something that we can work on with this because every single problem has some mental component. I've worked on, as I said, anxiety relief and um, weight loss, but I've also worked on irritable bowel syndrome and things like nail biting, random habits and random things that people want to change. Hypnosis has also been proven to uh, really help some major issues, whether it's things like depression and mental illness to uh, skin conditions. It's actually approved by the National Cancer Institute over here in the States as a, an additional form of treatment for cancer. Wow. That's powerful. And I guess, you know, it makes, it does make sense, right? Because, you know, I talk about this quite a lot. Our, our entire experience of the universe actually takes place in here, right? So it's all about our framing, everything, all of our perception, everything that we experience goes through our, the filters that we've applied year after year after year. So I kind of get it. The thing I'm really fascinated about is how you then, you know, in, in, in a session or sessions, um, you're able to then move somebody to almost believe something different when they're not there anymore, right? So you, do you know what I mean? So yes. it's it's I can kind of you kind of can cognitively think, yeah, that kind of makes sense. While they're sat in a chair or laying on a couch or whatever it is, um, they now feel that they could go and speak publicly, or um, they're not going to binge eat on stuff, or they're not going to uh, spend loads of money on on crap that they don't need that kind of thing right yeah. but when it comes to the moment and they're sat in that usual you know habitual situation how it then you know the the suggestion then remains in place yeah let's touch on that um there's a really important moment in every person's change journey when working with hypnosis it's the moment of threshold it's that moment you can congruently say three things one something needs to change two it has to be me that makes that change and three it has to happen right now mm -hmm. sometimes when people contact me they've got those first two things but the third thing is not quite there but 
the magical thing about threshold is that when someone hits that point, the change can happen in an instant. Like it's the reason that someone who finds out they're going to be a parent can stop smoking or drinking like overnight without any other resources. It's the reason like when we hit rock bottom, we can turn our life around so quickly because we've hit that point of threshold. And so much of what I do in the pre-stages of hypnosis is making sure a person is actually ready to make that change. Mm -hmm. If a person comes in to stop smoking, I want to make sure they're there to stop smoking rather than just to appease their, their spouse or their family that, you know, they went to a hypnotist and it didn't work. Uh, but in actual hypnosis, let's talk about changing memories. And we mentioned that before um, we're doing this all the time when, you know, in hypnosis or not, we're literally restructuring our brain at the protein level. I believe it's the protein kinase C that our brain is literally rewiring every single time we access a memory. And so when we change a memory in hypnosis, um, we are changing it at the biological level. And the cool thing about that is when you change a memory that goes so far back, every single coping mechanism that was built on that memory eventually falls away. I saw this when working with a mountain biker out of California. He'd gone over the handlebars of his bike and he was afraid to get back on it. Mm -hmm. And after we uh, were in hypnosis, he had this memory that came up for him of falling off his bike when he was very young. And when we changed that memory and built in some new resources for him to feel safe, every single coping mechanism that he built along the way started to fall. And so he was contacting me like months afterwards, like, uh, talking about new confidence in his business and new confidence to explore new things like starting a blog and um, skydiving and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a huge ripple effect when we change something at that level. And can you do, can you do hypnosis through this kind of medium, for example? So, so through Zoom as we are now, for anyone who's listening rather than watching, you know, talking to each other through Zoom, is it, does it work without Absolutely. being in person? Yeah, absolutely. For a long time in the field, there was this limiting belief that you couldn't do hypnosis over Zoom because it was unsafe or um, something like that. It wasn't effective. And I really challenged that because personally, I travel a lot and I wanted to be able to run this business without a brick and mortar place. Mm -hmm. And once COVID-19 hit, um, the really big names in hypnosis, they were forced to go online into the Zoom space. And now we're seeing this shift where everyone's going onto the online space and it's pretty cool to see. But when working with a person over Zoom, at first it was a challenge because I wasn't there. I wasn't picking up every single cues, but I've realized it's now a, a benefit for me because a person is in their own comfortable environment. They're in that place where those mental triggers would actually happen to them. And so the change is not linked to that change therapy room in you know, a clinical setting. And hypnosis, it's all about that trust and all about that comfort with a, um, for most people, for a complete stranger. Like I hop onto the Zoom, the Zoom session and I'm meeting someone for 15 minutes before um, they're closing their eyes and perhaps working with some very um, traumatic memories and just working with that level of trust it really helps to have people in their own environment. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how does somebody then, if someone's thinking about hypnosis, how do you identify so a good person to work with, right? So you, like you just mentioned there, it's quite a, it's a, it's a deep level of trust. You're going into some potentially some dark memories, but even if it's not that dark, you know, you're still mm -hmm. in a vulnerable position, right? So 
how does somebody find what's a, what is, what is a good hypnotist what, is, what how does someone how does someone find a good hypnotist i get Other that question quite a bit but yeah <laughs> yeah um unfortunately there aren't any like official government boards that regulate hypnotists because there aren't enough of us in the world to really qualify for that bureaucracy there are a bunch of private organizations that try to do that. Like over in the States, there are at least three to four major ones. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go on the hypnotist website and see if they're registered, but sometimes all you need to do to get organized or registered with an organization like that is pay, I don't know, hundred bucks a year and take a test every five years or something. It's not really a great way of measuring it. I would say go with your gut for any listener curious about hypnosis, find their website first of all, and see if they've got any videos, any um, things that you can test out to see if you're a good fit. As we mentioned, it's all about that trust with a hypnotist. And if you don't really trust that person, if you're getting a weird vibe from them, go to someone else, especially now because of COVID-19, there are so many hypnotists online that you can search around for. So find their website, see if you, uh, you know, trust them, and then search around the web, see if they've got other resources if they're um, published in newspapers, if they are on podcasts like this one, if they are uh, working with various organizations, I would say it really just build up that trust with the hypnotist before you go in and make sure that the hypnotist you're working with, uh, that, they, uh, that they jibe with you. Because hypnotists, there are a lot of people out there who do this part-time. There are a lot of people who do this, like in addition to their plumbing and lawn mowing business. And it's like, you want to go to someone who is doing it full-time and who is doing it professionally. And I would say the best way to do that is just do your research and trust your gut on it. Good advice. Who uh, is there? So we talked, we talked, touched a little bit earlier about things like guided meditation. What's the, what's your thoughts on, are there, are there kind of like, guided hypnosis type things i know there's like a calm app and there's you know it does borderline between the two mm -hmm. is there is there much benefit from those kind of things again how do you how do you find a good one a good something good that maybe you just want to do every day you know i'll come on to it in a minute about uh, morning routines and evening routines and that kind of thing because i think they're quite important to how you start and end your day as a mm -hmm. good bearing on how your day goes and how well you sleep. You know, these are things <laughs> I've learned the hard way for sure. Um, so are there any, are there any kind of do it yourself type mini things that you could, you could employ? Yeah, absolutely. Before we dive into that, I want to touch on uh, hypnosis audio. So we talked, you mentioned guided meditations Yeah. and for someone who doesn't want to uh, meet a hypnotist, you know, face to face, that can be expensive if you really just want to test it out there are some hypnosis resources for free on the website or on, online, I should say. And there are also some that you pay like 20 bucks or 40 bucks for um, that will actually get you some pretty cool results. But when you're doing this in self-hypnosis, self-hypnosis is pretty tricky because you not only have to be the person going into hypnosis, you have to be the, the, the hypnotist, the person doing the hypnotizing. And so unless you know really what it feels like, it's really difficult. I found the best way to learn self-hypnosis is to go into a hypnotic trance with a hypnotist, either through an audio or one-on-one, -on -one, learn what it feels like 
and then learn the tools to get back there. One tool that I often use in self-hypnosis, um, and this is for anyone who's experienced guided meditations or, self, or hypnosis before, um, get yourself into that state, that feeling state where you're just kind of in the zone. And then imagine that you're in a control room of your mind. And this is activating that creative part of your brain that speaks to you in images and everything. And you literally can go to a control panel. You know, imagine I want to work on my business confidence today. Imagine the control panel that controls that. And for me personally, I always see fuses on it. And some are like blue, some are red. And I pull out the red ones, like the negative memories or the negative associations that I don't want anymore. And then I install new ones, new blue memories. And it's essentially a way of giving myself direct suggestion, but with that creative sense, with that um, communication that the brain can understand. That's good. Because I, I, I think, you know, we'll talk a bit now, I think about kind of routines and, and that kind of thing. Do you, as part of your routines in, in your day, do you use kind of self-hypnosis you know, within that, within that process for yourself? Absolutely. Every single morning, really. I, um, I, I start off my morning with, uh, 20 minutes of meditation, you know, after I, after I do some exercise and stuff. And then I do usually 10 to 15 minutes of self-hypnosis. And when I was just learning self-hypnosis, I kind of dropped meditation because they feel very similar, but I realized they were working on very different things. Meditation is all about focus and just being in the moment. And, hypnosis is really you are tweaking something or fixing something. And so they're a little bit different, even though they use the same mental muscles. And so my morning routine, it typically looks like that 20 minutes meditation, um, 10 minutes of self hypnosis. And I've gotten to the point. Hypnosis is all about breaking things down into achievable goals as of anything else. People come in, they're like, I want to lose 50 pounds. And it's like, that's, that's great. But we need to break that down into steps. If we attempt to tackle 50 pounds in one session, like we can probably make some strides toward that, but it's going to be much more ecological in the long term if we build up those habits over a couple of sessions. And so I've actually got written down in a notebook all the goals that I've wanted to achieve, and I've broken those down into steps. And so each morning I'm just tackling one little nugget, one stepping stone of that goal. What and so what else do you do? Because uh, habits is is something I'm really interested in, and kind of partly because I'm one of those people that I read um, James Clear Atomic Habits yeah. and realised that that's kind of how I'd lived my life was habit stacking, and and you, I, I I'm very much a repetitive type person, right? I find a way of doing something and and do it over and over again, and then work out how I can bolt something else onto it so that you're not multitasking because but you but you kind of doing multiple things you know within the same time frame that's better better way of phrasing it do you are you similar in your kind of throughout your day do you try and employ as many habits into your day as you can so that you're just getting things done all the time yes i i couldn't agree more i <laughs> very repetitive because that's when i find the most i get in the flow state i find i really get in that zone and i get so much more done um there's that idea of context switching. And in the early days of starting this business, I did that all the time. I was hopping on a podcast here and then I do a session and then I'd have a strategy um, session a consultation with someone. And then I go do another podcast. And it's like, my brain was so frazzled <laughs> and keep it up. exact. Yeah. <laughs> I needed it. I needed that structure. And so now 
uh, now that my business is more established, I can really set aside those time chunks. And I know like at this time of the day, I'm going to be doing this part of my business. This time of the day, I'm going to be doing um, another part of my business. And even when like, even on my days off, I can feel my energy shifting around those times, like to be a little more high energy or a little more focused or in the zone or something like that. Just building up those habits and getting our mind into that, that right frame to do the work. Yeah, I think it's important. And, and I, I share this with people as well is you've got to find that, that process that really works for you. And you've really got to allocate the time. I think particularly when you move into more of a, an entrepreneurial type uh, area, mm-hmm. if you've come from a corporate or a, you know an employment type area where your time is much more dictated, it can be challenging for a lot of people initially to find that structure. They kind of get up in the morning and they go, right, now what am I going to do today? <laughs> and yes. you've realized very quickly that the distractions really creep in if you mm. if you don't start to create that that structure and you know for me personally i i use i try with as with my various goals i try and work out well how much of that can i turn into habits because then yeah. i can just write them down and i rewrite them even though i could write them once yeah. i write them every single day at the beginning of the week normally on a sunday i, I plan my my week out and i write them out and it's there's like 12 plus of every single day and i write them yeah. <laughs> every single day and then each day i tick them off as I go, because you kind of get that sense of accomplishment, but you're yeah. also just ingraining that these are the things that I've got to do. And if I can just minimum do those, I'm moving forwards. Oh yeah. I see that all the time in hypnosis. I, I give the metaphor of like a trail in the woods. Like if, if you had an unbroken um, patch of forest and you walked through it one time, you probably wouldn't leave a trail there. But as you did it again and again, and walking that exact same trail, you are what you are wearing down the plants and you're building that trail that that dirt path and it's the same thing when someone is constantly running that loop of anxiety or a fear of public speaking like they are ingraining that thought further into their mind and so when we're using willpower to do that we are essentially tackling a new a new section of the woods and attempting to make a trail and our mind's like it's it's going to be much easier if we go over there to that one we already have but in hypnosis, we are just, um, we are essentially covering up that old trail and saying, you know, you don't really need this anymore. And we're getting the, the new trail at least started so that uh, it's much easier for them to pursue that new habit. I love that analogy. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it, you kind of, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you, is, you don't see, this is the thing with habits, whether they're good or bad, and you just don't see the impact they're having for quite some time until suddenly it seems like an overnight change that's happened that's taken months and months and months you know (laughs) i heard the best world now where you know even a two minutes in a microwave is too long and (laughs) now we want and there's all you know we're bombarded i think it's very difficult genuinely for for people they want to do something different they want to make a change in, in in their life and everything's sold as you know gain x amount of muscle in this many weeks or lose this much weight in this many weeks and everything and make this much money in this many weeks everything's you know sold as being so fast and instant and the reality is there there isn't really fast and instant it kind of it might seem that way when you get there but i think you know you've got to build that foundation and that's where the the long-term you know success comes from Mm -hmm. 
I heard it best, I think it was from Gary Keller, one of the organizers behind The One Thing, the book and everything. Uh, I'm probably gonna butcher the quote, but he said, when we are building negative habits, we fail or we, no, it was, when we're building negative habits, we make wrong choices so slowly that we think that we're succeeding. But when we're building positive habits, we succeed so slowly that we think that we're failing. And I see this time and time again when working with entrepreneurs, they're like, uh, you know, it's been three months. Like, why am I not earning $50,000 yet? And it's like, just, just calm down. Like you're building that foundation. And I also see it when working with um, like confidence and weight loss motivation. People, they get sold this idea that you go to a hypnotist for one session. And as soon as you walk out the door, you will be a changed person. We can do a lot of heavy lifting in a single session. That is true. But I always recommend my clients come in for, you know, a program, whether that's at a minimum just two sessions so I can follow up and make sure that, you know, the change is actually working. I typically see people from uh, three sessions to five sessions over the course of about a month. That makes sense because... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a one and done would be, it, that just sounds all too good to be true. And <laughs> generally when things sound too good, too good to be true, they, they are. What about books? If you could recommend a book, and you just touched on one, the one thing there, but it, if you could recommend one book to somebody, what would that book be? What's the book oh. right now? It's really difficult. I used to ask people whether they, you know, for three books, and that was difficult. And I thought, no, yeah. I'm going to make it one book because <laughs> it's even more difficult. <laughs> There was one book that came to mind and I really got to go back to the one thing like that is probably it's it's such a simple concept, but it has changed literally every single way that I do business. And when you read it, when I read it the first time, at least, I didn't really apply it. I mean, like I was like, oh, that sounds nice, but I just set it back on the shelf. And six months later, that idea kept popping up, like, what's the one thing that I can do that makes everything else easier? And that has transformed my business because I talk about the metaphor of compound interest. Like if you're just putting something in a simple interest bank account, like you're just chipping away and basically adding to your piggy bank. But if you're using a compound bank account, every single time you add to that, you build more leverage. You increase the size of your lever and you are um, improving for, you're, you're gaining momentum as that, that snowball rolls down the hill. So the one thing by uh, Papa Simon Keller, I believe it is, that's, that'd be the book. Amazing. And what would you, if you could go back to your younger self and like, you know, you've gone on your own personal development and still on your personal development journey, right? Once you kind of commit to this thing, it never goes away. You, can, <laughs> you can't hide from your conscience. You, you made the commitment <laughs> and now you're in. Um, what would you say has kind of been you know, the one, one or two kind of big, big lessons that you have really learned up to this point that if you could share with your younger self or, or someone else who's coming along following behind you, what would that be? I would say you're going to be okay. I had this thought that if I failed, if I ran out of money, I, I was going to die. I was going to starve. And that was a really drastic, uh, thought that I had to work on with meditation and self-hypnosis. But um, I thought that if I made mistakes, I was going to ruin my chances and I was going to be uh, ruined for life, essentially. And so I would tell myself to 
just take it easy, you know, relax a little bit and be willing to make those mistakes. Like along the journey of, you know, made mistakes that cost me, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks at times. And it's like, at the time that really hurt, like, but in the grand scheme of my life, I needed to, like, it, it was worth it because I needed to learn those lessons. So I would say to myself, it's okay to make mistakes. And the second thing is that you're much stronger, much more resilient than you give yourself credit for. We often think when starting a new business or tackling a new adventure that any bumps in the road are going to completely throw us off or um, ruin, as I said, ruin ourselves for life. Uh, I see this uh, when working with, when talking about paramotoring. And so paramotoring, just a brief example, it's when you are in the sky with a parachute over your head and a motor strapped your back. And it's a very you know intense situation. And beginners in this paramotoring experience when they hit a pocket of air and they drop, they freak out and they panic. And um, more experienced paramotors, they have what we call bump tolerance. They are more, um, they're more able to handle those bumps along the road. And I think that's a perfect metaphor for anyone, whether it's in business or in adventure or just self-improvement in any sense. Uh, you are stronger and more resilient than you know. And over time, your bump tolerance will increase. That's, I think that's great advice. There's, I, I can't remember where I read it or I heard it. Very similar type thing was around, you know, when we look forward, we look into the future around something that we may want to achieve and it seems too daunting and too scary and we think, we talk ourselves out of it. We could never, we could never overcome that challenge, right? Mm -hmm. But every single day and, you know, and for the vast majority of us, some of us, you know, without, throughout our lifetime, really challenging situations kind of arrive on our, on our lap. And we managed to we managed to navigate through them because you can't stop, right? You know this machine just yeah. whatever this is, the universe, us, the thing keeps rolling, <laughs> and so yeah. you don't have a choice but to deal with it in some way. So yeah. the truth is, you always at the time when something happens, you do have the mechanism to 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 cope with it and to get through because you don't just stop, right? So yeah, what you just said there is is really good advice. The last question before we kind of wrap up in. If you could spend a day with anybody and they can be dead or alive, who would that person be? Oh, I was going to go with something like really corny, like Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, that that's not it. I'd have to say I'd spend the day with the Dalai Lama because when I was working with my own mental health, that was the first lifeline that really helped me meditation. And so many things there's so many things you can just absorb like their their different um their ways of carrying themselves like i'd love to see the dalai lama and ask him some questions but mostly i'd love to be around his presence so that i could model him and build a little bit of that into my own life that's a good answer yeah i think and the and that perspective of of modeling rather than grilling it's kind of seeing how someone like that navigates the daily challenges that and the and demands that are no doubt placed mm -hmm. upon him right so mm -hmm. really interesting doug it's been amazing talking to you where can people find you if they want to learn more yeah my website is anywhere hypnosis there are a couple cool things that people can check out there i'm coming out with a hypnotic test drive for people who are curious about what hypnosis feels like um, that url is just anywherehypnosis.com uh, if they want to check out 
the podcast that I run, I run a podcast interviewing people who have found their fulfillment and who have really cemented their purpose in life. I, I work with a lot of adventurers like hikers and skiers. And so that's kind of what it leans toward, but that's the making meaning podcast. And they can find that on Apple or Stitcher, wherever they find that uh, their favorite podcasting app. Amazing. Doug, again, thank you very, very much for giving up your time. I've loved this conversation. Personally, I find the whole, the whole idea of hypnosis incredibly interesting um, and how it can be used to help us overcome our, our own blockers, right? The thing that kind of gets in our own way most of the time is us. It's our yeah. fear of what might happen. It's memories of what's happened. It's, it's, and and how any tools that we can employ to help us move forward, um, I think are, are hugely, hugely beneficial. So, Doug, thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, so hopefully we'll speak again soon. Uh, you bet. <laughs> Cheers, Doug. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It'll really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.